Hashtag thoughts and prayers. Uh, If you spend any time on social media, first of all, if you spend any time on social media, cut that in half. That'll be a good a good step in in the right direction. Uh, no matter how much time you spend, just cut it cut it in half. Just good rule of thumb. But uh, hashtag thoughts and prayers is is a famous tagline that you will see, especially among people of faith, uh, as they they share on Twitter and on Facebook in response to whatever the the latest tragedy has hit, especially our national community. So so we saw this often with the. Uh, in the the fallout after the uh, Boston um, uh, Marathon bombing, it was used several times in there. In the in the past few years, where we've had these public school and other uh, public shootings, uh, you, you'll see that line: Christian sharing thoughts and prayers, or thoughts and prayers are with those families. Uh, we we saw this over the summer with the with the the murders of of uh, Ahmad Aubrey and George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. People saying we we are praying for you. We 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 want you to to know that we care, that we're we're sympathetic. Or if you find out that a a friend's you know family member has cancer or whatever may be the case, it's it's endlessly shared. Our thoughts and our prayers are with you. We were letting them know that that, that we care in that way by expressing that we are praying for them. And again, obviously what we're trying to do with that is to share our sympathy. And, and we're, we're praying for healing. We're praying for God's provision. We're asking him to, to meet people there. And we're, we're doing it sincerely as believers in Jesus, because of course we believe that God hears our prayers and that he answers our prayers. And so we think our thoughts and prayers are meaningful. And, and many people are comforted by knowing that others are praying for them. But perhaps many more are very, very cynical about the very idea of this expression. And you can understand why an atheist might scoff at that. And, and not just them being ugly or, or, or mean or, or you know, expressing their, their hatred for religion or, or something like that. But uh, chances are that, that most people who have been hurt by such tragedies had somebody praying for them along the way, right? We, we think about the way uh, parents ask God to keep their children safe when they drop them off at school or, or at daycare or, or while they're, 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 they're driving their Lord, keep our family safe. Let us not get any uh, accidents or anything like that. Um, and, and the idea that, that we send nothing but prayer, they will say, well, that, that's not going to undo this tragedy. Your, your prayer isn't going to raise the dead. What are we going to do with your thoughts and prayers? In fact, instead of sitting around and thinking and praying, even if you're genuinely sympathetic, why don't you, you get up and do something? Are, are you using your thoughts and prayers in as, in a, an excuse to, to stay distant? Like, I, I did my Christian duty. I checked off that block. I, I prayed. I've, I've done my part. What, what people really need is not your thoughts and your prayers, but they need your resources. They need your time. They need your money. They need your, uh, your, your presence at, 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 at you know, petitioning for, for just causes to prevent tragedies like this from happening again in the future. We, we, we need something more substantive than your thoughts and prayers, they will say. And you have to admit that I think that that, that cynicism that frustration is understandable, right? 
If, if we're tempted to sit at home and, and pray, and we're unwilling to put any skin in the game, then, then are our prayers really all that sincere? If we're not willing to be inconvenienced to, to help victims and, and, and to uh, stop these sorts of things from happening again in the future, then we have to ask, uh, what do our prayers really accomplish? And, and Christians, we're not stupid, right? We, we understand that, that prayer doesn't always infallibly result in, in, in the thing that we are seeking, right? We, we know people who, who have uh, prayed for years for their, their wayward children, and we haven't seen their lives turn around. We know people who have suffered for decades with debilitating illness. We've, we've watched people die with their, their bodies consumed by uh, cancer or, or other horrific diseases. And we've seen people all over the nation suffer, all over the world, I should say, suffer from this, this horrible pandemic that we're, we're struggling through as, as the human race right now. And, and this week, I, I prayed, as I, I prayed a moment ago, I prayed that God would heal this, this baby who was born without any viability of life. He didn't have functioning lungs, and he was missing kidneys, and he had no bladder. And, and he just, he, he, he was born, and, and he went right into intensive care and was placed on life support. And there was just no viability there. And we, we prayed, we said, Lord, would you heal something? Because we saw right away, nothing but a miracle is going to do this. And, and after that, uh, the, 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 the healing didn't come. The healing didn't come. And he was taken off life support, and, and his parents held him for the first time as he fought for air and, and died right there in their arms. This is the first time they held him, and I was there, and I'll never forget it. <laughs> never forget that. But, but all of that can, can lead you to ask, what? What's the point in praying if, if, if healing doesn't always come, even when we're, we're most desperate for it? Does, does prayer even work? Why, why should I worry about stopping and praying if it's not going to yield the results that I most desperately seek? What's the answer to that? Well, I think, I think James helps us to process some of that in this passage that we have before us. Again, James chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. And, and it's, it's probably the most famous, most misunderstood, and misused passage on prayer in the Bible. It's a, it's a dangerous passage in that sense because it, it's been used as a, as a, a, a tool to manipulate desperate people. But, but it contains in it some, some beautiful truths. It, it urges us to pray with faith and, and to expect that to be effective, even though it doesn't take away the, the mystery of God's sovereign and good will. So I want to talk about three points as we walk through this text to try to understand effective prayer, what, what prayer is supposed to look like and, and, and how it is that it's, it's supposed to be a, a prayer that works out for the good of God's people and, and, and the uh, power of uh, the proclamation of the, of the gospel and God's nearness in the world. I'm going to talk about needs for prayer I'm going to talk about uh, the effect of prayer and the practice of prayer as we seek to, to break this passage down. So first, looking at verses 13 and 14, let's talk about needs. Needs. So 
as you heard Mercedes read through this passage, you might have noticed that the word prayer is in every verse of the passage. Pray, 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 pray. We, this is a passage that tells us to pray. And, and what I found interesting was looking at verse 13, that, that uh, praying is supposed to happen a, across a, a spectrum of, of different kinds of emotions. So he says, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. And of course, songs of praise, that's a, a type of prayer because we're communicating with God. We're, we're speaking with God. We're expressing ourselves to God. And, and this, this trouble he, he, he refers to, if you, if you were to back up to uh, verses 10 and 11, uh, there, there's a, a noun form of, of that same verb that is translated as in trouble in, in verse 13 that is translated as sufferings there. And, and the idea here, and it uses Job as an example, is, is how even the righteous suffer pain inexplicably. We, we, we can't understand it except to appeal to, to God's mysterious sovereignty. So James is saying that, that we need to pray when, when we're suffering. Obviously, we know that, right? And, and, and we do pray for, for the removal of, of that trouble and, and relief from the suffering. But the, the text talks about how God meets us there in, in compassion and mercy. And, and Job's story tells us that that, it, that prayer doesn't mean God takes that away every time. It, it tells us instead that he meets us there and he joins with us in the midst of it to give us perseverance and, and help us to find joy in the midst of that, that suffering, uh, all for his greater good and glory. And we could say the same thing, of course, about verse 14, about those who pray when they are sick, right? Or, or those who seek prayer when they're sick. Um, James wants the church to pray for them, and he wants to pray for them, as we're going to see, expecting that, that healing is going to be normal for God's people, that God is going to deliver his people when we pray desperately and we pray believing. But of course, we know that the, the healing doesn't always come, but, but experiencing God in, in prayer allows us to, to, to receive compassion and to receive mercy from him, that even when it doesn't result in our deliverance, it, it helps us to persevere, and, and that proves to be more testimony for God's power and God's goodness in our lives. But I, I was struck mostly by the latter part of, of verse 13, when, when he says that we, we need to be praying or singing songs of praise because we're happy. We're happy. Doesn't that seem a little bit out of place, sandwiched between trouble and sickness? Right in the middle is happy, right? And, and ideally in the Christian life, there, there should be a lot more happy than, than trouble and sickness, right? Like, and, we, and we know that trouble and sickness are normal, but, but I think the idea here is that, that happiness or, or joy ought to be pervasive. And so, so it's not antithetical to think about joy as the opposite of, of troubles or the opposite of sickness. Happiness can be had in the midst of all of that. James would say, no, it shouldn't feel out of place that I'm, that I'm sandwiching between troubles and and uh, sickness, this, this need for you to sing songs of praise, to express joy um, uh, in the midst of your, your, your suffering in your Christian life. It's, it's supposed to be a, a, a discipline in life. Prayer is not just 
about desperation and lament. It's supposed, to, it's supposed to flow out of the joy and happiness that we have as those who belong to Jesus. And if, if our lives aren't characterized by joy and happiness in God, then, then I, I have to wonder where, where we're finding satisfaction. Because if, if it's not there, even in the midst of pain, we might be getting dangerously close to idolatry. We might be missing out on, on the joy that we're supposed to experience, just belonging to God, being, being owned by Him and, and being near to Him. So in every circumstance, whether, whether in, in the pain of suffering, in, in, in the praise of happiness, in, and in the, 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 the sickness that, that, that weakens our bodies, James says that it's always appropriate to call out to the Lord, to call on the name of the Lord. That's our calling. That's, that's what we do as people of prayer. It's, it's pervasive in the Christian life. Prayer, prayer happens when we're happy and when we're sick. Are you happy? Pray. Are you in trouble? Pray. Are you sick? Pray. Pray, pray, pray is what James is telling us. It should be normal. It's in hardship and happiness. It expresses pain and praise. That's what prayer is. It's, it's, it's holistic. But notice also how this passage, you know, makes a sound banging on, on a drum that I've been uh, banging this, this whole time here. And, and that's that this prayer happens when the church is gathered. He, he says that the elders are to come together in verse 14 to, to pray for the sick. And in verse 16, he says that we need to confess our sins to each other, right? And also pray for each other. So all this occurs in corporate worship. This isn't just, you know, shooting a text to your friends, say, hey, please pray for me or, or, or something like that, that, that when the, the church gathers, Prayer is supposed to be pervasive. It's supposed to, uh, you, you, what, what do we do when we gather? We, we pray. We pray through our communion with God in, in our praise, and we, we pray with one another. Now, um, what might have struck you as a little bit weird, though, is that he says, have the elders anoint the sick person with, with oil. So there's, there's someone sick, have them call the elders, the, the elders of the church, the, the, these leaders in the church ought to uh, anoint them with oil and pray. And, and he says that the, the prayer of the righteous will prove to be effective. So what is up with that oil? Why oil? Well, um, I, I don't want to disappoint you too much, but uh, there are scholars who have endlessly discuss what the point of the oil is. And I can't say I came to any firm conclusions about what the point of the oil is. So maybe my view will change one day, but, but this is what I kind of understand. I think that oil in the Bible is, is symbolic, and it's symbolic of God's presence through the Spirit. And, and the people who are anointed with oil in the Bible are those who are, are consecrated for a special uh, nearness of, uh, with God in, in, in particular offices or ministries. So uh, uh, priests were anointed with oil. King David was anointed with oil. And interestingly there, he's anointed to be the new king after the text says that the spirit had left the, the prior king, Saul. So the idea is the, the oil communicates that, that God is near. God is with you now. You are my guy, right? And so what, what's going on here, I think, is that, that when we, we, we come together around the sick and, and, and we anoint them with oil, it's, it's, it's a tangible way to, to symbolize the, and, and remind them that the Spirit is present. And, and we need those sort of tangible uh, realizations of, of God's nearness. Think about 
uh, the, the way communion works. Um, we're, we're Baptists. We don't believe that we're, we're literally ingesting the body and blood of Christ. But nevertheless, when we, when we taste the bread and we, we taste the, the, the wine or the juice, we're, we're, we're experiencing God with more senses than, than just our ears, right? It's, it goes beyond just, just uh, understanding that God provides for us, but we're, we're having our hunger satisfied and our, our thirst quenched because uh, God is, is that provision and he, he, he provided us uh, for us through the, the body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So it helps us to engage more, more holy in our worship. And I think that, that the oil was used in just that way as a, a way to, to feel God's presence and to be uh, told very tangibly that he is near you even when you're sick. And so uh, those kinds of practices can be good things to help encourage uh, those who are in pain to, to persevere, those who are, who are sick to, to uh, feel a sense of God's nearness, even if, if healing doesn't come right away. But again, what's, what's most important here is that, that prayer like this should be what we do when we gather. When we gather, we should, we should lament and we should sing for joy. We should, we should uh, praise God for healing, but also uh, it, uh, just, just petition Him desperately, desperately to uh, give life to those who are sick and those who are in pain. It, pain and elation are cause for prayer. We, we communicate desperation and jubilation. Uh, prayer in these different ways, they're all essential aspects of our devotion to God, and he, he meets us with his grace through all these different kinds of prayer. He wants them all. He doesn't just want your joy-filled prayers. He doesn't just want your uh, desperation-filled prayers. He wants them all. He wants God's people together in, engaged in dynamic conversation with him, uh, imploring him for grace and realizing that grace as he seeks to transform bodies and to bring healing and to, to fix broken situations and, and leading ultimately always to more and more praise for his glory. Now, do, do you feel like it's easy to forget God and forget, forget to pray to God, I should say, in good times? Or, or maybe uh, you're the opposite, and when you're in trouble, the last thing you want to do is go to God, whether out of a, a sense of guilt, maybe you, you, you think, I'm in trouble because of what I did, or I don't want to air my dirty laundry, so I'm certainly not going to, to seek prayer uh, in, in, in the congregation, in the, the community gathered. I think both of these things are, are really, really problematic. We need to be a people who, who are, are finding God in the good times. And again, if we're, if we're not finding him there, and if we're not, we're not moved and compelled to, to celebration and, and, and singing songs of joy, then the chances are there's, there's idolatry in our life, and we need that addressed and, and, and handled. And if, if we're not believing in God's power and, and, and pressing into him for prayer with the people of God when we're in trouble or when we're sick, then uh, there, the, there needs to be a, um, a, a reorientation with that because we're robbing ourselves of, of God's power. We're robbing ourselves of, of, of the, the, the joy that will be had there when he turns our our sorrows into celebration when we, we look back and we see healing and we, we, we've engaged with him emotionally. God, God wants all of that. He wants all of that. We need all of that. Maybe we don't always remember that we need that. And James, of course, 
goes on to talk about how this kind of prayer will be effective. And, and I'm looking particularly here at verse 15, but also the, the end of verse 16, where, where both of these uh, passages make a point about the effectiveness of God's prayer. So in verse 15, he says, the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sin, they will be forgiven. Uh, the, the Bible connects sometimes our, our sickness and our suffering to sin. And so prayer is a, a way to reconnect to God and, and to see that, that forgiveness realized through healing. And then at the end of uh, verse 16, he says, the prayer of a righteous person will or excuse me, is powerful and effective. Uh, so, so we need to pray, I think James is saying, expecting that God will do the miraculous. Um, he says it really matter-of-factly, in fact, right? The, he, he doesn't seem ashamed of this. Like, this should be normal. They, they will be made well. They will be raised up. They will be forgiven. Prayer is going to be effective. The, when the righteous people of God pray together, there is power in that. There is, there is effect. Something happens. These all sound like really bald, you know, kind of absolute promises, don't they? They really sound that way. And sadly, a lot of false teachers have, have grabbed a hold of this kind of teaching and, and really used it as, as, as a weapon to, to manipulate their followers for, for selfish uh, gain. They, they promise you healing if they believe. I have the gift of healing. If you believe, God will heal you. And if I fail to heal you, that's your fault. You didn't believe. You didn't believe sufficiently, at least. But, but if you actually look at this text... Uh, the faith that is uh, uh, credited with um, healing seems to be the faith of these elders in the church. So it's, it's not the faith of the sick person. It's, it's the faith of the community gathered together. So, so we can't blame people who don't get healed uh, for their lack of faith and say, oh, well, if, if they had just believed a little harder, then, then God would have healed them. No, it's, it's far more complex and mysterious than that. It really, really is. And, and of course, the, the letter of James is, is what uh, we call wisdom literature. Uh, this is like the, the book of Proverbs and, and some other texts. And, and what wisdom literature does is, is not give these absolute universal promises, and it's easy to read them that way, but that's not what it's doing. It, it, it speaks more in terms of generalization. So, so what James is saying is that the healings really should be normal. We, we should expect to see God show up uh, when we pray and, 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 and when we're faithful and we're, we're desperate and, and we're serious about our prayers, that, that he is going to, to come and show himself there by, by healing. But, but again, it doesn't eliminate his sovereignty. It doesn't eliminate the mystery. There will be tragedies that, that we look back at and, and, and deaths that we remember and things like that where we say, why didn't God heal that guy? Why didn't God heal her? Why didn't he save them? And, and we have to be honest. We have to be sincere and say, we, we, we don't know, but we know that God is uh, working all things together for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. And it's, it's mysterious. It really is. It's mysterious, and it doesn't make it easy. I'm not, I'm not giving that as an excuse. I'm not giving that as a have more faith in God's goodness. God meets us in that pain when we pray and we don't receive healing. But, but lastly, I, I would also say that Paul doesn't, uh, the, the Apostle Paul elsewhere in, in 1 Corinthians 12, when he talks about spiritual gifts, um, he, he doesn't say that anybody has the gift of healing. If somebody tells you, I have the gift of healing, be really, really worried 
Be really worried. Um, what he does talk about how, is how God gives us gifts, plural, of healing. So the, the person who prays isn't the gift. The healing itself is a gift of, of God's grace. God, God shows up when his people pray, and he gives that healing as a gift. And that means that, that nobody has a claim on the, on the power to heal. And anybody who says otherwise, I think, is, is at least very, very dangerously close to being a wolf in sheep's clothing. Uh, if you aren't healed, it is not because your faith is lacking. If, if somebody else isn't healed, it, 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 it's, it's not because they lacked faith. We need to pray in faith. James is very, very clear. Communal prayer for the sick and the suffering. We, we pray with the expectation that God is going to work powerfully. But we, we never forget that it's always a gift. And, and our prayers do not twist God's arm and, 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 and force him to, to, to heal. They're not, they're not magic. It's, it's not witchcraft. It's not effective in that way as though God's hands are tied and, and he has to heal. No, no, no. He is still sovereign. He is Lord. So, so prayer really does work, James is telling us. And, and we have to ask, you know, we're, we're 21st century Westerners. How, how seriously can we take this, right? That, that's what foolish people believed then before we had all this medical, you know, advancements and, and we, we know how the human body works and, and, and all that stuff. How, how serious can we really take this? And I, I think God wants us to take this way, way more seriously than some of us are tempted to. Um, there's an incredible amount of, of trustworthy testimony to, to God's healing work still, still taking place. Um, uh, we, we, we get this in the Bible, of course. You read the book of Acts, and there's, there's just healings all over the place. Like, you will, you will trip over healings in there if you're, if you're not looking. God is, God is doing stuff, and there's no indication that, that the, the work of the Spirit that began there was, was so, supposed to stop, or, or he used to do these kinds of things. He doesn't do those kinds of things. Now he just does, does these sorts of things. No, uh, God gave us the Spirit. His, his Spirit is poured out on, on all flesh, everyone who, who calls on the name of the Lord. So he is at work among his people when we pray. Um, recent uh, testimony of these kinds of things, if, if you're the sort of person who likes to read, there's a, a biblical scholar named Craig Keener who wrote a two-volume, 1,200-page book called Miracles. And one of the volumes is about the, the biblical miracles, but the other one is, is giving all this testimony of all these recent miracle claims. Some of them are documented with a tremendous amount of evidence. I, I heard one story this week as I was researching this of a, a guy who had to get his stomach completely removed. And, and he, 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 the doctor said, look, you're going you're gonna to start to get sick and eventually you're going you're gonna to wither away and you're going to die. Like we're, there, there's nothing else we can do for you. And so like uh, he was Australian as a last ditch effort before he died. He, he came over to America for this, this pastor's conference and, and people prayed over him there. And all of a sudden, his stomach started making hunger pain sounds. It, this, I shouldn't say all of a sudden. This was over a four-hour period that they were praying for this guy. Started hearing his stomach gurgling and, 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 and growling. And, and he says, well, that, that's impossible because I don't, I don't have a stomach. I don't have a stomach. He was starving. The guy was starving. And so they took him out and they, they feasted. And he got back home and, and he, he told the doctors, my, my stomach's making noises now. Um, I, I think God healed me, but, but you know, of course... We, we need to check this out. Ultrasounds, x-rays, CT scans. He's got a stomach now. Got a stomach now. And, and he asked the doctors, how do you explain this? Is this a miracle? Oh, I'm not ready to, to, to say that. Well, 
My stomach was removed and I have a stomach now. Was this a miracle? Uh, I don't know what it was. Okay, it sounds like a miracle, right? You know, so we, we'll always respond in skepticism, but I, I think that God heals people. I was, I was a part of a, uh, a prayer meeting once where, where we thought that God healed a woman who, who in our church, she was, she was uh, suffering with a lot of illness. She would just suddenly be, be uh, uh, overcome with, with, with faintness and, and she would be weak and in bed for days and, and the doctors couldn't diagnose it. And, and we prayed for her. We, we, we prayed faithfully. I remember never believing like that before, that God was going to heal her. And I, I believed it, and I, I didn't speak up and say it, but I, I really believed that God had healed her. And she goes to the doctor a couple weeks later, and they say, well, we figured out what it was, but it looks like your immune system beat it out a couple weeks ago. Like right around when, when we prayed, I, I, I really believe that that is what happened. Can, can I prove that? Uh, I, I hear testimony from, from missionaries in, in places like India and Africa of, of God doing these sorts of things as people faithfully pray, and they're trustworthy believers. I, I believe them, but, but I can't prove that. I can't prove that. We, we have to ask if, if we believe that, that God is near, if we, if we believe that his, his Spirit is really powerful among us, if we expect Him to do those sorts of things. And, and healings, what they are, they're a taste of the resurrection. They're a taste of the new creation. That's why God shows up, because he wants his people not excited about this world as it is, and not, not uh, sad about this world as it is, but, but, but serving in this world as it is in anticipation of the coming new creation, where all my sickness and all death and all that will be done away with. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and death will be no more. We will be with him forever, freed from all sickness and sorrow. And God gives us these gracious tastes of that when we pray in faith. He does that. Again, I can't prove it. I believe the Bible. I'm not ashamed of that. Not ashamed of that. So practice, as we, we kind of wrap up for uh, application here, practice. We have to practice if we believe this. If there's trouble or instinct, or excuse me, trouble or sickness, our first instinct needs to be desperate and faith-filled prayer. Sometimes it's the last thing we do, right? That should be where we start. It, again, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that it's unspiritual to, you know, if somebody's sick to, to value medicine or other kinds of treatment. Those things are good. Those are, those are what we call gifts of common grace. God works through those things, absolutely. But if, if we're hearing the voice of God when we read this text, uh, we need to expect that he's going to do amazing things when we pray. And, and if we really expect that, then when we get together, we are going to be praying like crazy. We're going to be praying like it's going out of style. It really went out of style a long time ago. Um, Again, though, we're, we're not twisting God's arm in that. The, the practice of it isn't, again, a, an attempt at, at magic or witchcraft or anything like that. And we're not, we're not privy to, to God's reasons for withholding that power when he does. But we're still called to pray desperately, to pray faithfully. And we have to fight against the temptation that, that we need to be able to make sense of everything or we're going to stop reaching out to God. Now, we need to reach out to God because we, we recognize that we're creatures and we're desperate and we need his power and we need his healing. I think we need to try to open up about how it is we can pray for each other like this in our corporate gatherings and worship. 
Uh, as I've preached through this series, I've been convicted about how little prayer features when, when we gather. And of course, right now, we're not really gathering that much, right? We've got people at home in their living rooms, and we've got, I don't know, maybe 15 people in, the, in this room right now. So, so this is something to think about what's ahead. How can, how can we incorporate prayer and to make that what's essential and, and central in our gatherings to one another? Make that the, the DNA of what we do when we come together. Maybe we need to create a prayer team so that, that we're here for people who are sick or people who are in trouble, and, and we, 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 we meet and gather together after worship, and we lay hands on one another. We anoint with oil, and we pray desperately and faithfully expecting God to heal. Maybe that's what we need to do. And I think if we did that, we would see power. Uh, but I'd love your ideas too. Christians, we, we should be people who pray in faith, pray expecting God's power. And if we're not doing that, then, then I don't know how valuable this series on prayer will, will prove to have been for us. It needs to move us. It needs to move us. And, and when, God, when God heals, he's, he's giving a ta- us a taste of his goodness. He's giving us a taste of that world to come. And, and that should satisfy us. That should uh, give us grace to, to persevere and, and just excitement as we get to see who God is as, as a God who heals, a God who gives life, a God who raises the dead, a God who justifies sinners and brings forgiveness grants mercy. There's so much testimony in that. I think God wants to do that in us, and he wants to do that through us. Let's pray together. Father, give us a new and desperate faith, Lord. We confess to you our sin of doubt. I confess it in my own heart, Lord. I confess my uh, sense of, of self-sufficiency, Lord, that, that we can miss out on the wonder of your power, Lord, and pretend as though we don't need it or as though we don't believe that you want to give it. Lord, move among your people by your spirit, Lord. Do miraculous things that that we will see your presence, we'll see your power and know your goodness, Lord. Lord, help those in trouble. Lord, fill our hearts with joy and hear our songs of praise, Lord and give life to the sick. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.